Why do people not turn to Jesus? Why do people, as we've said, actually work very hard at denying the truth of Jesus? And that seems to be the reality. They, they actually work very hard at denying the truth of Jesus. Doesn't that seem crazy? Doesn't that seem absurd? I've said this before, but I'll just tell you, if you were to tell me that in Jesus, that I can have peace with God, that I can have the forgiveness of my sins, that I can have the removal of my shame. If you were to tell me that in Jesus, I have a future now, not just any future, but eternal life. If you tell me that I, that I am in Christ and he is in me, that I am a new creation. If you tell me that I have a great eternal purpose, a reason to get up in the morning. If you tell me that I'm safe in Jesus and, and I'm off the treadmill of appearances, I'm off the treadmill of good works, if you tell me that I am loved, so loved, and that I am living in fellowship with that love in Jesus, let me just tell you tonight, that it seems like a no-brainer. To me, that, that is so easy. That is not even a choice. If you tell me we have all of that in Jesus, I'll just tell you, I am trusting Jesus. Why do people not trust Jesus? Why do people not turn to Jesus? Well, as crazy as it is, and as illogical as it seems to me, I believe we're going to see it tonight. In fact, I believe we're going to see it is the exact same reason that the Jews sought to kill Jesus. Now, that's what we're going to see in our verses, and I believe it is one and the same. I believe it is the same reason. Tonight, our message is entitled, The God of Self. The God, lowercase g, the God of Self. Tonight, our verses are found in John chapter 11, verses 45 through 54. Verses 45 through 54. The God of Self. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me, and the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 11, verse 45, God's Word says this. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, what are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man die for the people and that the whole nation not perish. Now, he did not say this on his own initiative, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation and not for the nation only, but in order that he might also gather together into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day, they planned together to kill him. Verse 54, therefore Jesus no longer continued to walk publicly among the Jews but went away from there to the country near the wilderness into a city called Ephraim. And there he stayed with the disciples. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Dear Father, we come tonight and we are thankful that on this day, especially this day, that we have the truth that our anchor holds today, that we have peace that is settled today. And so we come and we pick our eyes up today and we look to you, our Savior, our King, our Lord, our blessed Redeemer. Lord, I, I come and I pray in a, in, a, in a day that may seem hard. I, I pray for the Bustamani family. I pray for the Wagner family. I pray in the separation of death that, that we would feel your love the most, even more tonight. I pray that you bless them and encourage them and strengthen them. And I pray in these situations that the good news would shine, the light would shine more brightly. Lord, I, I pray thanking you for the opportunity on this day to come and to gather and to hear your voice, the voice we need to hear, the voice that, that brings peace. I, I'm thankful that, again, we could come on a Monday Hear the voice of God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that it would be a supernatural time that, that you would bless us and lead us, direct us tonight. I pray for those that are listening tonight in other means. I pray that in the next, in the next 30 or 40 minutes that, that they would hear the truth and, and they, would, they, they would know the truth and they would receive the truth. And I pray for believers that are listening again that they would be encouraged. I pray for the lost that perhaps on this night they would pass from death unto life. Lord, move, work, and let it be for your glory. We praise you, we worship you, we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When we left off yesterday, Jesus has called Lazarus, who's been dead for four days, in the tomb for four days. He has called him out of the grave. The disciples, Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, and a crowd, the Bible says a crowd of Jews are all watching. In verse 44, wildly, the Bible tells us that Lazarus comes forth. He comes out of the grave wrapped in cloths. Jesus says at that point, unbind him and let him go. Now be sure again, it is a crazy scene. It is an unimaginable scene. Uh, really, it is more than we can understand. Uh, I once had a, a friend say, uh, maybe Lazarus didn't want to come back. They were thinking through this. Maybe he was glad to be done with the trials and the troubles of this life. And, and maybe it was no favor at all to Lazarus to be called back. And I hadn't thought of that, but that's what they were thinking and then that same friend said, actually, the glory and the goodness of heaven is that Jesus is there and that we are with Jesus. Uh, understand the goal of heaven is that we would be present with the Lord. Well, at this point, Jesus is not there. And so the best thing would be to be with Jesus. And so understand Lazarus would be exceedingly glad to be with Jesus in life. And so I think, well, is it, is it a good thing? Yes, you want to always be where Jesus is at. So in our, in our verses, Lazarus is alive. Uh, it, it is an unbelievable event. He's been said, un, unbind him. It is the craziest thing ever. He is alive. And that starts with our verses tonight, verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary 
and saw what he had done, believed in him. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done, believed in him. Many, many of the watching Jews, they see this undeniable radical miracle and understand it was as radical as radical gets and it is undeniable. He was dead and now he is alive again. They see the miracle and it confirms Jesus's claims. He had said that he is God. He has said that he is the giver of life. He has said that he is the Savior, the Messiah. And so now with the confirmation, the Bible reports they believed in him. Now I want to highlight that tonight for just a second. They believed, here's what it says, they believed in him. Today, tonight be very sure we are saved by believing in Jesus. We are saved by believing in Jesus. It's not believing in a religious system. It's not believing in a church or a creed of a church or a statement of a church. It's not believing in an action of baptism or something else. We are saved by believing in Jesus. Today, we are saved by believing in Jesus. Now, that has two very profound parts. Believing in Jesus, it is first the person of Jesus. It is the person of Jesus. We're saved by believing in the person of Jesus. And of that person, it is the truth of Jesus. Of that person, it is the truth of Jesus. Now, understand tonight, those two things are inseparable. That is why John is working so hard to give us the truth of Jesus. And that's really what this gospel is about. We are believing in the person of Jesus as defined by the truth of Jesus. Now, that's pretty big. Listen to that. We are saved by believing in the person of Jesus as defined by the truth of Jesus. Now, what that means is he is God. He is the promise of Scripture. He is a man, fully man. He is sinless. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the payment for sin. He is the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb. He is the Lamb that is slain for sinners. He is physically resurrected, actually physically resurrected. All of these things together. And so we are believing in the person of Jesus as defined by the truth of Jesus. And in that, we are saved. Do you understand? That's why it's a big deal. That's why it's important that we understand the truth of Jesus. Because in that, and that alone, we are saved. Well, the Bible says many of the Jews, a good number of the Jews, now get it. They believe in him, the truth of him, and in belief they are saved. Let me just tell you, that is what I would expect to happen. Lazarus is walking around. He's alive. Now, that's what I would expect to happen. Mary and Martha, they're celebrating. This is exactly what I would expect to happen. Now, what I wouldn't expect to happen is what happens next. Verse 46. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. 
But, it starts off but, it is a conjunction of contrast. But, now what it means is they believe, they had that response, but they believe and had a different response. They, they went, and the Bible says, went and told the Pharisees. Now think about that, and don't think too lightly of that. The Pharisees had made it clear they want to kill Jesus. That was, that was not a secret. They had made it clear. And so these people see the radical miracle. They see the healing of Lazarus, and they go directly to the enemies of Jesus and tell them what Jesus has done. And so there are some that believe, but there are some others that go and tell the enemies of Jesus what Jesus has done. Now, I want you to be sure of something. There are always two responses to Jesus. Now, there's some that would say there's degrees or maybe some half steps, but there's really just two responses to Jesus. One of them is to believe in the truth of Jesus, to believe in Jesus. The other is to reject Jesus. And if you're not believing in Jesus, then you're actually rejecting Jesus. There's only two responses to Jesus. One is to believe, one is to reject. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? They saw the same miracle. They were in the same place. They, they were witness to the same thing. Why would they do that? Verse 47. Therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, what are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. Therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, what are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. In verse 47, they convene, they call together an official emergency meeting of the Sanhedrin. Now, that's what this was. Now, remember, the Sanhedrin, they were the 70 Jewish rulers on the ruling council. Uh, they were the big dogs of the whole thing. And so they actually convene, call together the Jewish ruling council. In verse 47, the, the, the theme of verse 47 is this. It is time to settle this. It is time to settle this. They actually call the entire Sanhedrin and they say it is time to settle this. Here's what the verse says. There's no denying the signs. It says he's doing many signs. There's no denying the movement any longer. There's no denying that it is growing, that it is substantial. They say, what are we doing? It translates, what are we accomplishing? That's, that's the most literal translation. What are we getting done? Letting their hatred be known hadn't stopped it. They, they let that be known. Making threats hadn't stopped it. That hadn't worked. Arguing the scriptures, that it hadn't slowed it down, hadn't stopped it. Excommunicating Jesus' followers. The threat of excommunication, it hadn't slowed it down. It hadn't stopped it. And so now they say, it is time to stop it. Understand in this verse, it's time to stop it. Right now, it is time to stop it. Verse 48. If we let him go on like this, all men will come, will believe in him. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place 
and our nation. I want you to listen. This is a very important verse. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Now, let's look very carefully at verse 48. This is the actual issue. This is the actual deal. They say in the official meeting, if we do nothing, all men will come to believe in him. And if all men come to believe in him, then the Romans will take note of that. They will see there is a new loyalty. They will see there is a new leader. And they will come and stomp it out and take away our nation. And the worst of that, if there is no nation, we will lose our place. That's what they say. Now follow with me. What they have said is, our will trumps God's will. That's actually what they've said. Our position is more important than God's position. Our glory is more important than God's glory. And even if it is the Savior from God, even if it is the long-promised Messiah, even if this is God himself, our status and our comfort and our plans and our popularity and our likes and our desires outweigh even God's, and so therefore they want him dead. Friends, that's why people reject him today. Let's be honest. It's too costly. It is too inconvenient. Do you know what this is going to cost me? Do you know what I'll have to change, what I'll have to give up? Do you know how I will be perceived? It is too much. And so the thing to do is to just deem him as a superstition. The thing to do is just to declare him a crutch of the ignorant. The thing to do, it's too costly for me, is just to write him off. It is the exact same reason today. Our position is too much to surrender to follow Jesus as Lord. Verse 49. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. A high priest served for a life term. That's how it had always worked. A high priest served for a life term until the Roman rule. Now you start to see why they hate the Romans so much, but when the, when the Romans took over, to keep the high priest from having too much power, they, the Romans, would appoint a new one. And so where this would have been in office until death, now they would say, well, this guy's getting uh, too popular, getting too much power. And so the Romans would actually appoint the high priest of Israel. And so Annas had been the high priest, and now Caiaphas has been appointed as the high priest. Well, Caiaphas says to the council, and he says it in anger, you know nothing at all. Maybe he's the most fearful. Maybe he has the most to lose. He's, he's the one that's got the end with Rome right there. He's the one that sits in the high seat. And so he comes in anger and says, you know nothing at all. Verse 50. Nor do you take into account 
that it is expedient for you that one man die for the people and that the whole nation not perish. Verse 50, it is expedient. Uh, it is an interesting word. It is an interesting Greek word that means profitable. That's what it means. It brings profit to you. It brings a gain to you that one man would die. It says for the people and that the whole nation not perish. It is profitable for you. It is expedient for you. It is a gain for you that one man would die, but not the nation. The phrase for the people, for the people, translates on behalf of. Listen to this, in the stead of, in the place of. It is a substitutionary death. It means this, one dies, so the other does not. That's actually what it says. It is profitable for you for one to die, so the other, the nation, does not. Caiaphas says, it is better he die and our nation and our places be saved. Very simply, he says this, either he dies or we do. Either it's him or it's us. That's what Caiaphas says. Now, John explains that in verse 51. Now, he did not say this on his own initiative, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. Now, understand in verse 51, he's not saying that Caiaphas is a righteous man. He's not saying that Caiaphas is a prophet of God, but he is saying that God spoke through him. Caiaphas is speaking, and he means what he says, but God has a different message in the words that Caiaphas speaks. Listen to verse 51 again. Now, he did not say this on his own initiative, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, verse 52, and not for the nation only, but in order that he might also gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Jesus will die for the nation, but also that he might gather into one the children of God scattered abroad. Once again, we see he dies for all. He dies for all. And his death will be redemption for all nations. It'll be for the Jews. It'll be for the Gentiles as well. This is the promise that was made to Abraham. Caiaphas speaks, but he has no idea how right he is. Think with me for a second tonight. Think about that statement. Either he dies or we do. In the cruelty of their hearts, in the sheer evilness of their hearts and the sure meanness and wickedness of their hearts. They say either he dies or we do and they are willing to sacrifice him. Then Jesus in his great love, Jesus because he so loves us, says either I die or they do. And he is willing to sacrifice 
himself. Do you see that? He sees the cost of sin. He sees the pain of sin. He sees more than that. There is a coming punishment that's eternal for sin, and he loves us. And so as sinners, as rebels, he says either they will die or I will die, and he's willing to sacrifice himself. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much God loves you? Do you see tonight that's how much God loves you? He says, it's either you or it's me. And he's willing in his great love to say, even as rebels, even as sinners, I will go in your stead and die your death. That's what he says. I will go. I will pay for it. I will suffer for it. I will die. And he does that because we are so loved. Do you know how loved you are? That is our Savior. Verse 53. So from that day on, they planned together, Sadducees, the Pharisees, the council together. From that day on, they planned together to kill him. I want you to notice something in verse 53. Before he is caught, before there's a preliminary hearing, before there is a trial, do you remember they had a trial? They've already reached the verdict. You know, they're going to get him and they're going to go over here and they're going to haul him over there and they'll, they'll go to the courtyard and they'll get the high priest out. Do you know before they ever had a trial, before they'd ever caught, ever caught him, they'd already reached the verdict. They planned together to kill him. He's going to die. It ends right here. Verse 54. Therefore, Jesus no longer continued to walk publicly among the Jews, but went away from there to a country near the wilderness into a city called Ephraim. And there he stayed with the disciples. It was a city about 20 miles, a little village about 20 miles north of Jerusalem. It was on the edge of the Judean wilderness. I don't know if that's so they could go hide there if they needed to. But the Bible says they go there and there he stays with the disciples. I'm going to end tonight with two questions. First question is this. If you have not trusted Jesus tonight, will you admit it's because you do not want to? If you haven't trusted Jesus tonight, will you be honest enough? Will you be, will you be honest enough to say, you know what, it's, it's still because of my desire. It's still because of my will. It's still all about my position. Will you go ahead and be honest enough to say that? Will you say it's still because of all the things I'm not willing to give up in my life? Will you be honest enough to set down the arguments that you've posed to make yourself seem enlightened, to make yourself seem evolved, to make yourself seem too smart for this nonsense? Will you be honest enough to say, you know what, it's still because of my hope, and I am my hope. It's still because I am my Lord. I am my King. It's because it's still about me. Will you be honest enough to say you don't receive Jesus because you don't want to receive Jesus? You see, that's the truth. My second question is this. And how's that working for you? Do you have peace? I watch people and they try to act like they have peace. They try to paint a picture like they have peace. 
They can't sleep at night. They got all these things. They're having to drink themselves to sleep at night and take all these things to, to act like they have peace in their life. Do you have peace? Do you have hope? Listen, I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking about really hope. Do you really have hope? Are, are you joyful? Are you ready for life? Are you even prepared for death? Are you joyful? Or are you just pretending? Are you just numbing yourself to make it through another day? Are you stuck in your guilt? Are you sick of your sin? Sick of it. Sick of yourself even. I want you to hear me tonight, friend. There is a Savior. And he saw that it's either us or him, and he offered himself because he loves you. Listen, the truth of the gospel is tonight God loves you. The truth is he will forgive you tonight. He'll forgive you tonight. The truth of the gospel is he wants you tonight. He wants you tonight. And in his grace, he offers you forgiveness, salvation, eternal life by faith in him. There is a Savior that so loves you tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come, and I'm thankful for you tonight. Thankful for these verses that we might pass by too quickly, that we might move over them so quickly that we would miss the great sacrifice of a loving, gracious Savior who saw that it was going to be us. There wasn't a question. It was going to be us. We were going to pay. We were going to die. And yet you said, it'll be me. You humbled yourself. You were born as a man into your own creation. You humbled yourself, taking the form of a man, not just a man, a bondservant. You humbled yourself to the point of death, but not just any death, a death on a cross that you could save us, that you would give us forgiveness, redemption. Lord, we praise you for that. We thank you for that. Lord, I, I pray as we conclude this day, I pray that this message is, has taken hold in our hearts. I pray for some that do not know you, that tonight, this very night, they would turn to you and in your grace and in your power, they would be saved tonight. I pray for us that have made that decision that tonight we, we stand up taller in our hope and in our peace tonight, in our Savior, Jesus, tonight. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We pray now that you'd bless it, that you'd multiply it, that you'd send it out. We pray the result will be that it would bring great glory to you. We know that it will, and we trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response tonight, a time of invitation, a time to respond to the truth of God's truth. And, I, and I'll just tell you that the very, the, the very core of the, of the gospel is this, God loves you. And in his love, he sees the punishment we've earned. He sees our state and our sin. And in his love, he sends his only begotten son. He says that. He comes and he takes my sin and your sin, our shame, he carries it to the cross of Calvary. There he pays for it in his own blood, his own life. He's nailed to a cross. He dies as the payment for sin. Take him off the cross, they put him in a grave, Three days later, he walks out of the grave, and death is defeated. Sin is paid for. He stands as the risen Savior. Our hope is in him. The Bible says if you'll profess faith in him, if you'll trust him, he'll save you tonight, that that salvation will be yours tonight. My call tonight is this, trust Jesus tonight. Turn to Jesus tonight. He will save you. 
If you've trusted Christ, but you've never fought in believers' baptism, I want to give you an opportunity as well to, to come and say, you know what, tonight I have trusted Christ, but, I, but I've never had that, uh, that baptism as a testimony to, to what he's done and who he is. Uh, you come and we'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration as well. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe, you believe God has led you here as well. You come and together we'll uphold his good news, his gospel, until he comes again. Maybe you want to come on this Monday night and you want to pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Now, whatever your response is tonight, I'm going to ask that no one stir about or head for an exit. You pray for those who are making decisions. As we stand to sing, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here. <laughs>